0: and Welcome to episode number 75 of the NXT Nightcap. Recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 127 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all. As another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And we are six days away from the Great American Bash going down live next Tuesday on USA One Day after the 4th of July holiday and the card is shaping up nicely but I gotta say the crowd was kind of in and out last night for not being in the building for about two weeks. They were kind of cold in certain spots and hot for others as I'll get to right now with our opening match featuring Corey Jade and Roxanne Perez versus Kaden Carter and Katana Chance with the winners moving on to face toxic attractions Jessie Jane and Gigi Dolan for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles at the Great American Bash next Tuesday on USA. I thought this was a very good match which saw some clever double team spots from both teams at one point Corey jade landed some gnarly drop kicks to katana chance and a forearm strike for good measure before making the high tag to roxanne perez who delivered a rana into a roll-up on chance at one point eventually Corey jade got back in there and delivered a double foot stomp to the back of katana chance and roxanne responded with a drop kick as well for a very close near fall eventually kaden carter helped out a partner to even the odds as they dumped Corey jade and Roxanne Perez on the outside as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back and Corey Jade is working over Caden Carter with a Karana followed by that running knee strike against the ropes but she is isolated from Roxanne Perez as Caden Carter and Katana Chance work over her with a floating Santon in the corner at one point Roxanne Perez gets back in the ring delivers a nice arm drags to both Chance and Carter and towards the end of this smash Carter goes to make the hot tag to Katana Chance but she's nowhere to be found on the ring apron so Roxanne gets another hot tag and Carter immediately wipes her out with a super kick and she wipes out Corey J with the forearm on the outside as well so Katana Chance Chance magically reappears in a ring apron. She gets the high tag, and Carter and Chance are going for the combo neck breaker into a 450 splash from the top rope. Cora Jade recovers. She trips up Carter, gets her out of the ring. Chance is unable to complete the rotation from the top rope, which allows Roxanne to hit Pop Rocks on Katana for the win, as Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez move on to face Jessie Jane and Gigi Dolan for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles next Tuesday at the Great American Bash. And I thought this match was very good, and it should be noted that Roxanne's contract is still intact for a future shot at a championship of her choosing and that could very well be the NXT Women's Championship in the very near future if Mandy is still the champion by then but all in all a very good tag team match to kick off the show despite the so-so crowd heat down the stretch. Next up is Giovanni Vinci versus Ike Minjiro. This was a fun match while the last. Giovanni Vinci has a very strange gimmick of being a supermodel of refinement. A snap here, a snap there, pose here, pose there, and then he gets in the ring and wrestles like Fabian Eichner from Imperium. He is so great in the ring. Those chops he lit up on Ike Minduro were fantastic. juro delivers some forearm strikes to Giovanni at one point. He misses a moonsault and that allows Giovanni to land a beautiful springboard Tornado DDT that pops the crowd. And for some reason, holy shit, has been censored from USA Network for reasons. And he delivers the last wide power bomb to Giro for the win. I love Giovanni Vinci, the professional wrestler. The model, I'm still kind of shaky on it because I'm not a big fan of the freeze frame photos It takes me out of the moment a little bit, but Giovanni Vinci is undeniably great in the ring. He is going to get over by being a damn good professional wrestler, and his first initial feud in 2.0 is going to be a big indicator where they see him on the roster long term. In a perfect world, he should be reunited with Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. Be Imperium, once again, give it to the bloodline, the New Day, but... We're not going to get any of that anytime soon, which sucks. But may Giovanni Vinci forge his own path and be a star nonetheless. Next up is some backstage shenanigans, courtesy of Grayson Waller. As he has several things, he wants Carmelo Hayes, the A champion, to sign, including a basketball, a hat, some 8x10s. And I noticed he was very quick to pick up all the paperwork. And photos and the basketball and hat and walk away as quickly as possible. It's one of the oldest tricks in the book that you are signing something you don't know what you're signing exactly, and it turns out it was a contract for a North American Championship match next Tuesday at the Great American Bash. Waller butter up Carmelo, saying you're the A champion. You beat Tony D last week with the brass knucks to retain the North American Championship. I beat Solo Sequoia last week as well. We we're on a winning streak. He so was basically kissing ass to get ahead, and Carmelo Hayes finds out that. Grayson Waller set him up later in the show. But he's very understanding. He accepts the swerve and he's going to beat Grayson Waller's ass next week and put him on a t-shirt for good measure. So I thought this was clever. It was cute. And the matchup next week between Waller and Camelo Hayes for the North American Championship should be a lot of fun if they're given time to shine. Next up is the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs alongside Fallon Henley. And I got to be honest, I did not feel their promo... Very much, very rough around the edges. I think they are not exactly top tier NXT UK champions. I hate to say that, but that's how I feel. And I've seen Brooks and Dunn together for almost a year. And I still don't feel them as a tag team. It's unfortunate, thankfully, pretty deadly come out there to say, we were comparable to tag team champions for 200 plus days. We'll bring honor and beauty to those titles again, and then Brooks and Briggs lay out pretty deadly with an assist from Fallon Henley, and it was fine. But I'm just disconnected to this tag team. I like Fallon Henley, I truly do. She's the highlight of this crew, but otherwise, I just don't feel them or these titles on them. And hopefully, they will be put back on, preferably pretty deadly, in the not too distant future. Next up is Kiana James versus Indy Hartwell. This match was fine for what it was. Indy goes for the top rope elbow drop. She misses and Kiana James rolls her up for the win by using the ropes for leverage for the statistical advantage, according to her. And this was fine for what it was. I will say that I will give credit to Kiana James for being committed to the statistician character. It is basically a hybrid of late 80s glow and early 2000s wow merged into one gimmick, which is very outdated, but she makes it work. She does stand out in terms of personality, which is a way to make yourself over on this show. Indy Hartwell has personality for days, and she has done great character work over the last couple of years with the way I miss Index dearly. I loved her relationship with Persia Parada as well. But all of those things have been stripped away from her recently, which absolutely sucks. And now she has to find a way on her own to get over. And she can do so personality-wise. That's never a question. But the wrestling has got to catch up as well. That's going to be key for her moving forward. She's been in the system for a few years now. And I see marginal growth in the ring, but not enough. And she has got to work on that on the road and on television to really be a fully realized star that can really make movies. Moves on the main roster in the years to come. Next up is the fate of Two Dimes. You see, Two Dimes was released from WWE a few weeks ago, and he appeared taped on 2.0 over the last couple of weeks as well. The timing was everything. So we had to pay off a storyline reason as to why we won't see Two Dimes on 2.0 moving forward. And the answer was Tony D'Angelo putting out a mob hit On Two Dimes. Two Dimes is now swimming with the fishes. Tony took back his watch and the leather coat because Two Dimes is trying to angle for Tony D'Angelo's chair in a coup. That backfired and (laughs) Santa Escobar prank called D'Angelo and say, hey, new North America champion, how is going? And Tony D'Angelo chucked the phone in the water as well, walked off the bridge alongside Stax. And this was a segment. So basically in the NXT universe, you get to commit kayfabe murder. You get to show a mob hit and get away with it. You get to go back to work despite committing a crime, a felony on live-to-tape television. Choices, NXT. Choices, indeed. But hey, Mob Wars 2022 must continue no matter what the cost, right? Next up is Creed Brothers alongside Watch Strong versus Joe Gacy and the Dyad. This match was fine, but it's very hard to care about a match when two of the dudes are wearing cloaks and we cannot see their faces and their movements are very nondescript and generic. It absolutely sucks. We got Joe Gacy acting like a broke Bray Wyatt with the pose backwards in the corner for no reason. Thankfully, Julius gives us a beautiful spot as he has a dyad up in a vertical suplex position And Julius is on his knees and he uses his amazing core strength to lift this man up. And the fans are rising to their feet the first time they really give a shit about anything on this show. And as Julius has him up for the vertical suplex, he can't finish it because Joe Gacy breaks things up. Thankfully, we get a triple suplex spot from Brutus, Julius, and Roddy. It's a nice moment, but... It was not going to be better than Julius finishing that suplex on diet number one or two. That was badass. So we go to a picture picture commercial break. We come back and Brutus is the baby face peril being worked over by diet two and Dyad one. And Julius gets the hot tag and he lets the straps down. Whoops ass suplexing both dyads, ads, spinning them around, throwing them around like a horse. And then as he goes for his finisher, we got Roddy making the tag and delivering a jumping knee strike to Diet number one or two. And Julius is like, what are you doing? I had the match one. So they get into a shoving match. And as this is happening, Joe Gacy goes for the handspring lariat on Roddy. Brutus pounces Joe Gacy out of the way. And Roddy is not appreciative of the save. They get into it even more. And that allows the Diets to make the tag and hit an elevated DDT for the win. And this match was fine. Julius's comeback was the highlight, but these dyads do absolutely nothing for me. Deep down in my heart, they're the Grizzly Young Veterans. They're great professional wrestlers. They got charisma, but it's watered down as they dress like two grim reapers that you cannot tell apart. This is not good TV. It's dumb to cover up what makes them great. The Joe Gacy experiment still sucks. It has not gotten better at all. And this idea of two dudes Being completely covered up and doing the bare fucking minimum when they can do so much more is absolutely exhausting as a viewer and it takes you out of a match that can be so much more if they're allowed to be themselves and not feed into this 1992 superstars bullshit. But I digress because this is an insult to the Druids and the Undertaker because this is not it at all in 2022. As we move on to Sangha versus Zion Quinn. And this match was a struggle. I love Sanga. I'm glad he's not dressing like Braun Strowman. Anymore with those pants. He's got regular black trunks now. But when you got Zion Quinn in there, it's not gonna be very good because he's still green and Song is green, and that's green on green, and that's never good. Song's battle with Wesley a few weeks ago was a great David versus Goliath situation, even though Goliath was a sweetheart and he still is, as he beats down Zion Quinn, thankfully, with a choke slam for the victory. But it was a chore to get through and pretty heatless for the most part, as we had Song delivering snake eyes to Zion Quinn a couple of times during. In this match which did wake up the crowd a little bit but not by much next up is the implosion of diamond mine as brutus and julius creed give Roderick strong the business backstage because they're mad that he cost them the match and roddy's mad at them for not listening and not really adhering to his guidance and he challenges the creed brothers to a match for the nxt tag team titles next tuesday at the great american bash with damon kemp as his tag team partner and and that is going to be, dare I say, a show stiller. I believe all four guys are going to show up and show out in the best possible way. And I've seen my fair share of very fun Creed Brothers matches. But when you've got Roddy Strong as the ring general, and you got Damon Kemp, who's getting to be quite the powerhouse himself, Julius and brood is still learning, but getting better. That combination going to be everything next tuesday that is going to be a very heated and great match if given the time and julius is going to do some more insane shit. he's impressive i love brutus too but there's something about julius that i like a lot because he's a low-key guy that can give you a lot when you least expect it in the best possible way next up is nakita lions versus nxt women's champion mandy rose and this match was fine as Mandy worked over the injured knee of Nikita Lyons early on. A key spot was Nikita Lyons trying to show off her power by tossing Mandy around the ring. I think she meant to throw Mandy with a bit more distance and those tosses were not very impressive to me But I digress. Mandy Rose gets back on offense by delivering a nice top rope miss drop kick to Nikita Lyons for a near fall. Nikita fires back with a German suplex and some splashes in the corner before delivering a series of spin kicks to Mandy Rose. And she's going for the jumping split finisher when Jesse Jane and Gigi Dola interfere to draw the automatic disqualification. And as Mandy Rose slaps Nikita Lyons and beats her down, we got... Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez making the save on behalf of Nikita Lyons ahead of their Tag Team Championship match next week. And it looks like Nikita Lyons is aligned for a shot at the NXT Women's Championship against Mandy Rose very soon. For what we saw, it was fine. Nothing special. And if Nikita Lyons is going to try to pull off powerhouse moves, they better be powerhouse moves. Because those tosses were not it, they didn't blow me away. And if that's gonna be a part of a repertoire moving forward, you gotta put some more sauce on it to really make those moves pop when it counts most. And now it is time for our main event segment featuring the NXT champion Braun Breaker and his challenger for the title next Tuesday at the Great American Bash, Cameron Grimes. And at first I had my cringe face on as Cameron Grimes once again came for Braun Breaker's lineage. You're only here because of your last name, this long line of breakers who've broken through WWE over the years. You're here because of your daddy. And next week is very important to me because if I win I'm the champ, obviously. If I lose, that might be the end of the line for me, but not the end of the line for you. Because if you lose, you might get promoted to RAR SmackDown hell. If you lose, you might make the SummerSlam card. For me, I had to put all of my chips square in the middle at cash in my chance at that championship. It might be my last chance. And breaker respects, Cameron, but don't come for my lineage listen you talk about going to the moon I'm gonna send you there but you're not gonna like it when I spear you in half upon landing and Grimes goes to the juggler saying you know I was built for this business I can't say the same for you because this was never your first love your first love was football you was a running back and you had those NFL ambitions until the Baltimore Ravens gave you that call and said Bron you're simply not good enough. And then you called your daddy and you told him, Dad, please get me through the door at the performance center. Please get me a job. And look where you are now. NXT champion. Everything was handed to you. I had to earn everything I've got. So you might be bigger, stronger, and faster than me. But I've got heart. Something that you don't have. And every time you knock me down, I would get back up time and time again. You have to put me down in order to beat me next week. And Breaker says, oh, that can be arranged. And then... Cameron Grimes is very personal saying that you don't have the heart of a champion. Just like your father who never won the world championship himself. And Breaker snaps. He grabs Cameron Grimes by the throat. Grimes fights back by slamming Breaker. Chest first and two. The turnbuckle does it again. Shoulder first and two turnbuckle. And it breaks. It snaps. And Breaker is holding his left shoulder, which is limp. It is numb according to him. He can't feel anything and the medical team comes out there to help Braun and Cameron says, oh, it looks like you're not 100%. I don't want that as an excuse next Tuesday when we fight for the championship. He walks away very heelishly as next, he goes off the air. A couple of minutes after the top of the hour and Braun Breaker is a great actor because he had a match against Gunther for the NXT championship a couple of months ago and he was favoring his collarbone. I'm thinking oh shit, he's hurt. He was selling. So at 25 years old, he's a fantastic fucking seller he will make you believe he's hurt when he's not and that is a mark of a true vet and he is barely a year in the game knowing the basics already in the best possible way I do feel some kind of way about Cameron Grimes coming for breakers lineage because it reminds me of people coming for Charlotte Flair saying you only hear because of your last name it's like you actually have to be good at your fucking job in order to make it in WWE your last name can only take you so far yeah you might get the rub because of who your family is but you actually got to be good in the ring and charlotte flair worked her ass off in nxt for years she is one of the greats to ever do it in wwe because she perfected the craft and she was able to step out of her father's shadow and be herself And Braun Breaker is stepping outside of his father's shadow by being himself and being the best version of who he needs to be in order to get over long term in WWE. He's a fucking prodigy. He is a unicorn that comes around once every 20 years, in all honesty. And the last name opens the door, but that's not a guarantee for success. You gotta be good, you gotta put in the work, and he's done so in less than a year. So I don't like those comparisons. And besides, he's not Steiner on this show, he's Breaker. So you're trying to break the fourth wall. And we know about the Steiners and the Hall of Fame and blah, blah, blah. blah. We know about the pedigree and shit, but don't try to bring that up to say, hey, you're only here because of your dad. No, I'm actually here because I'm pretty fucking good at this professional wrestling thing, which I did in high school on an amateur level. Oh, by the way. So, yeah, the fallback plan was wrestling. If you're good at it, pursue it. That's what he did. And I'm just tired of people coming for other people's bloodlines. It's tedious. It's an old trope that doesn't work. And thankfully, the crowd didn't bite into it that much. Brick had a nice line asking Grimes to call Ted DiBiase when it's all said and done and say, what's next for you in terms of your career? So I thought it was a nice callback from the Million Dollar Rivalry between LA Knight, Cameron Grimes with Ted DiBiase, smack dab in the middle last summer. And... We'll see how this match goes next Tuesday for the NXT Championship. It should be a great match. Grimes is a great wrestler. Breaker is so good as well. They will produce magic. They will have a great main event. And on paper, this show should be very good because the bash never disappoints. And this is the first Bash under the 2.0 umbrella, the final show that has been 2.0-ified in the last year or so. We had Halloween Havoc first, followed by New Year's Evil, then Vengeance Day, which I will say is probably the weakest special to date, and I think this show will make up for it next Tuesday on USA. And all in all, I thought this was a solid NXT. It was a nice go-home show for the Great American Bash. I have some cribbles about some. Backstage segments involving Wendy True sleeping and dreaming about Tiffany Stratton. I thought that was so corny and lame. There are some things that could use some tweaking still, but overall, the end ring quality is decent to very good most weeks. We got some people who are ready for prime time, others not so much, and they're fighting their sea legs more and more about the week. But at some point, I feel a pivot is coming in the sense that trial and error can no longer take place on TV it will have to take place on the road. If you're able to get over on the road and there's measured growth and progress, then you make it to TV. That was how it used to be way back when, during the golden era of NXT many years ago. TV cannot be your first big test. Some people have risen above that and gotten better fast. Others have not, and the maturation process varies. And to those that are not learning as quickly, need the road or they need to get cut if they're not progressing in a year's time. I say six months is too soon, 90 days is even shorter. Give me a year to see where you are. If you're not progressing, gotta cut bait. If you wanna pursue this further, go out there on the anti-circuit, get better, perfect the craft, come back when you're ready. And that will be the true test to see who's really in it for the love of it or who is in it for the check. And that will be the next step of the evolution of NXT 2.0 moving forward as we hit the one year mark on this experiment in a couple of months time. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 75 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at LaterSX on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite. Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, search topia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, I Heard Radio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 70 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.